What a joy and a privilege to be able to talk about the new lifestyle today after just seeing that. I have a friend that I walk a dog with on the Oval every morning who is not a Christian. And I thought I might ask her what she thinks the new Christian lifestyle is all about and what it looks like. So I said, what do you think? And I was actually really shocked when she told me that she thought Christians were double-minded, narrow-minded, they had double standards and they were hypocrites. We got to talking, we're on our third lap of the Oval and suddenly we started talking about TV evangelists, fraud, embezzlement, cheating on your tax and the Catholic Church and its abuse. And I thought, is this, is how, is this how the world sees a Christian? Because if it is, we've come a long way from the words of Jesus who said, love your neighbour as yourself. Even this guy, Bono, lead singer of U2, says, Christians can be really hard to tolerate. I just don't know how Jesus does it. (laughs) I mean, that's the case, isn't it? A lifestyle is really playing out someone's convictions. It's a way of life. Think about people like Mother Teresa, Nelson Mandela, Greta Thunberg, Donald Trump, I don't know. Think of a famous person. You know what they stand for by the way that they live. But what about everyday Christians? How would you say that they play out their new lifestyle? What does it look like? I have some early second century evidence of what the Christians were like from a Roman governor's point of view. This is a little snippet from a letter to a Roman governor called Diognetus. And the author says, Christians are in the flesh. In other words, they have bodies, but they don't live according to it. They live on earth, but they're citizens of heaven. They obey all the laws, but they live at a higher level than is required by the law. Now get this. They love everybody, but everybody persecutes them. What's going on there? I mean, there's this early hallmark of Christians that shows how countercultural they are simply because they want to swear allegiance to one king whose name is Jesus. And they were identified by their love and their fellowship. If you read through the book of Acts in the Bible, you'll see that Christians were really great at sharing. They were generous. They had the power of the Holy Spirit in them. In fact, one person says that the new people of God were about transformation and spirit-empowered ministry. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. This idea of the new lifestyle of a Christian is actually a new normal. I want to pick up three things for you today, three little clusters of fruit that we can examine and look at and taste and see. And they're called a change in Jesus. It's the power of the Spirit and the work in a Christian that makes a difference. And it's service to God that sets them apart. And I'm going to give you a little application at the, each, at, the each of, um, sorry, at the end of each of these things. So be aware that that's coming. So let's pick it up from God's narrative, the Bible. If you've got a version app, you can use it. Or if you've got a paper Bible, even better because you can flick. I like paper Bibles. I think they're great. Except I haven't got mine up here today. So first thing, the change in Jesus, which really requires surrender. Get ready because that's going to be part of your application point at the end of this. Let's have a read of it. Colossians 3 verse 1 says, Therefore, since you've been raised with Christ, which really means king, keep seeking the things above where Christ is or where Jesus is. See, there's this thing about a conviction that the early followers of Jesus felt that if Jesus had come alive, 
then he had come alive in them too. They have their eyes up on Jesus, the new king, and they get a different perspective. And I want you to just park that idea of king there because I'm going to come back to that. But really, that idea of seeking things above is a desire to have one's thinking and lifestyle continually oriented and centred around Jesus' kingship over everything. See, it's a whole life reorientation. It's like turning over a new leaf. People's priorities change when they become Christians. Their values change. They stop doing things and they start doing things. And usually you can tell there is an obvious change in how they behave. Last weekend, my husband Rodney and I went up to Rushworth in um, central Victoria and we went out for dinner on the Friday night to the local pub. They had wood-fired pizza and Rodney's a pizza fanatic, as many of you blokes would know because you've often been to our house for pizza. So we sat down and we realised that there was going to be a muso playing um, and he was going to be telling stories about his life and singing songs. And so we sat there and we were listening to him and his story was actually really quite sad. He had um, moved from Australia to Canada, had a family, raised a family, lived on a ranch and then decided to come back to Australia. And during his break, I just went up to him and started a conversation and I said, what, what actually made you move back from Canada and leave your family behind and come to Melbourne? Which is probably quite a pointy question to ask, but I, I seem to do those things. Um, and he, oh man, his, his answer was profound. He said, I was trying to escape the darkness in my life the darkness in my soul and the darkness in my veins. I'm just like, could have knocked me over with a feather and I wanted to tell him about Jesus actually in that moment, but he had to get up and sing his next song. But the next day, there was something that happened that I saw God do that I thought was something that I needed to share for this talk and it's got something to do with this darkness idea. These guys here, a bunch of three motorcyclists. They belong to this Christian motorcycle club called Chariots of Light. And they rode into town on the Saturday morning while we were having coffee at the bakery with our vanilla slice. And I felt a prompting by the Holy Spirit to go and say to them, what does the new lifestyle look like for a Christian biker? So I did. <laughs> I asked them. And interestingly, you know what they said? It's freedom from my own darkness. And I thought, wow, the guy at the pub running from his darkness and these guys, chariots of light, discovering light over darkness. That's the new normal. That's the transformation that happens in a Christian because when Jesus died and rose to life again, he conquered all of the powers of darkness. And Jesus is alive in them and they bring his light to others. And this is all great, but you might be saying, Cindy, what's the actual change? How does it play out? What do I need to look for when I'm trying to pinpoint what a Christian uh, looks like? Look with me at, Col at Colossians 3 if you've still got it open or if you've got it there. This is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, put to death the darkness lurking within you. You used to do these kinds of things when your life was still part of the world. Well, what things? Let me read it to you from a different version. Killing off everything connected with that way of death. Sleeping around, impurity, lust, pride, doing whatever you feel like, whenever you feel like it, grabbing, grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. But you know better now, so make sure it's all gone for good. Kill it. 
kill the bad temper, kill the irritability, kill the meanness, kill the profanity and kill the dirty talk. I mean, that's quite full on, isn't it? That's not the new normal, all those things. And I wonder if that's a little bit too close to the bone for some of us because I know I see some of my own behaviour in there. But see, these Colossians who Paul was writing to, they had come out of this pagan lifestyle where all that stuff was absolutely normal. And I wonder about 21st century today, looks a little bit like our own sort of lifestyle that we live in in the world around us. See, Christians are asked to leave that stuff behind. They can't take it with them into the new life. Many years ago, I went on a gig all the way to Perth. It was fantastic. I got to go in an aeroplane so I could go and sing somewhere, which I thought was fabulous. But I took a musician with me and he took his guitar, which went into the checked baggage, but in his backpack, he left his pliers so he could change his guitar strings at the gig. And, um, you know, when you go through the scanners and they pick up things and they go, oh, what are you doing with a pair of pliers in your backpack on a plane? Like, it's just dumb, right? So the lady said, you've got to throw that in the bin. Get rid of it. You're not taking that with you. And this, this scenario came to mind this week when I was thinking about a Christian's lifestyle. Because if a Christian takes dangerous things like that on their Christian journey, they'll hijack the new normal and the new lifestyle. Those things affect relationships with God, your relationship with God, but also your relationship with others. It really kind of means that maybe you're not authentic. Did I just say that? That's not the new normal. Let me read to you Colossians 3, verse 9 to 10. You've taken off that old way and you've put on your new self. I'll read a little bit more from another version. You're done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes that you've stripped off and put in the fire. That is pretty full on. It means you're not keeping anything. You're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every single item of the old way of life is now custom made by the creator and it's got his label on it. You see, that's what the new normal is about. It's new for old, it's light for dark and it's hope for fear. How do I know this? Because Jesus has changed me. And he's still changing me. I see it in the way that I speak. I see it how I used to speak to other people and about other people. And it was mean and it was not right and it brought people down. And now that Jesus is living inside of me, I hope that my conversation with people is more gentle and that I honour people when I talk about them. And I still don't always get it right. I say dumb stuff all the time. But my choice is that I'm choosing to leave it behind. And I don't know about you, but it's the new normal. So how do we apply this? Two things. First thing is this, if you are not a Jesus follower and you're still checking him out, the application point for you today might be that you want to get out of the dark. Perhaps you understand what that guy at the pub was talking about with the darkness in his veins. Perhaps it's time for you to wave that white flag of surrender and say, I want to check out this new normal. I want to see what it's like to live without darkness in my life because you can and if you want to, it's going to take surrender. I think Troy mentioned last week about taking the keys of your car and giving it to Jesus and let him drive it. That's what it's about. It's surrender. Because Jesus needs to be alive in you in order to change you. So talk to someone today at the end of this space. Ask them, 
And you might say, well, what's in it for me, Cindy? Why should I wave my white flag of surrender? I'll tell you what's in it for you. It's a life of peace. It doesn't mean that everything in your life is going to work out fabulously, but it does mean that you'll have peace not living your way. It'll be the best change you've ever made. And if you already know Jesus, maybe you want a more positive change in your world. Now, for you, I'm talking to the Jesus followers at this point because sometimes I feel like we need to be taught how to apply something in our lives. See, perhaps you're like Frank Sinatra. Perhaps you're doing things my way. You know that song, I did it my way. Perhaps you're still doing things your way and you don't want to change. You kind of like having some of those secret bad things in your life. But you see, when we surrender to Christ, we don't sit on the fence. When we say yes to Jesus, I want to surrender to you, we don't sit there and go, I'll surrender that, but I'm not giving up that. Some things you'll have to say yes to and some things you'll have to say no to. You know, in the Greek, I did a little bit of research here, this word, apektiomai, which means to take off that old stuff, actually means to renounce it tear up a contract. It's the same verb that Jesus that, that is referred to when Jesus disarms the powers of the enemy, the powers of darkness. That's how powerful the taking off can be. What would you surrender in your behaviour as a Christian? Or maybe you want to focus on what you can clothe yourself with instead because you don't want to be standing there stark naked. You've got to take it off, but you've got to put it on. Now, I've got a little hat stand over here that I want to talk to you about. If you take your bad stuff off, the swearing, the aggressive behaviour, the irritability, the meanness, the unkindness, you're going to need to clothe yourself with something else that Jesus has given you. Now, in this verse here, there's actually a bit of an echo to Genesis 3 when Adam and Eve had to be clothed by God to cover their shame. Well, in this verse, we get to clothe ourselves with spiritual clothing. What would you take off the rack that God is offering you today? Some of us have problems with swearing and we just can't kick the habit and we just need to take off maybe a hat of pure speech. Or maybe some of us are struggling with stuff that we're seeing on the internet and we just need to take off some kind of pure living. Or maybe we're struggling with the way that we talk to our parents or we talk to our children and we just need to take off something new and put it on kindness. So here's my application for the Jesus followers in our midst this morning. See if you can name in your head one thing that God is asking you to stop doing. (laughs) And what is he saying? Take on my new clothes. There's a caution here. Don't just be good for goodness sake. Because you know what that is? That's just being moral. That's not being a Christian. There's this incredible quote that I found this week by a guy called A.N. Wilson who is an atheist, interestingly enough. I actually agree with what he says up here about I very much dislike the intolerance and moralism of many Christians. I mean, really? Are we just being good for goodness sake? Because we have to only be changed by the right motivations of a transformed heart, which only Jesus can do. You know, Christian conduct, the way that Christians behave, it's an advertisement, really. A walking advertisement for how Jesus has changed your life. 
brings me to my next point. Guess what? I've just told you all the things that you have to do, but you can't do them (laughs) on your own. You can't do them on your own. We don't have the strength to beat that kind of stuff in our own strength. You see, we need a supernatural helper, which God has given us. Jesus said, I'm going to ask the Father to give you the Holy Spirit, someone to help you, supernatural strength. See, the Holy Spirit is Jesus' voice on earth because Jesus' body is no longer here right in front of us. We can't just go up to Jesus and say, can I have a hand with this problem I'm having? But we can do that with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that the best news? Like it's God on the inside. And every single person who professes or who says that they are a Christian gets the free gift of the Holy Spirit. So if I was to pick out every person in this room who says that they are a Jesus follower, the Holy Spirit's in them. It depends on how much we cooperate with him as to what our behaviour looks like, but every single Christian has the presence and the gift of the Holy Spirit. God said in the Old Testament, I'm going to give you my spirit so that you can do all those take off, put on things properly because you can't do it in your own strength and that's the new normal. It's doing life with God on the inside. You know, I struggle with self-sufficiency. I struggle so much to let God do what God needs to do, so much so that yesterday I'm in the shower in my God time and I'm saying, Jesus, what if this talk is just really dumb? What if nobody's impacted? What if nobody hears a word from you? What if everybody's just looking at me and they're bored? And all of a sudden I felt and I heard the word of the Holy Spirit, which actually made me cry and laugh at the same time. He said, Well, Cindy, just as well you're not doing it in your own strength then. (laughs) Oh my goodness, I'm preaching to myself in the shower. I just feel like sometimes as, as Jesus followers, we need to be able to surrender, keep our eyes and ears open to what the Spirit is doing. What's the application to this? Again, if you're still checking out Jesus and you're not a Jesus follower, I have a special application for you. Maybe you don't even know that there is a Holy Spirit. Yeah. (laughs) Because there are many other religions out there that focus on spiritual things, but it's not the real deal. This guy's the real deal. My application to you is whatever you need, he's got it. And I feel like he's saying to you specifically, try me out. I dare you. If you are a Jesus follower... Here comes your application with a little teaching point. I believe God is challenging you to lean in more, just like I need to lean in more when I need help. I need to be conscious of the Holy Spirit wanting to help me out. See, in this John 14 passage, in the Greek, the Holy Spirit is called the parakletos, which is the Greek word for an alongsider. (laughs) Can you imagine how my jaw dropped open when I read that? Because have we not just been in the alongside a topic for how long? Two months? Two months. The Holy Spirit is our alongsider. Oh my goodness, the weight of that. He is our advocate. It's courtroom language. He provides counsel. We need to rely on him. That's the new normal, letting Holy Spirit walk with you and be an alongsider. Because sometimes, you know what, we just try too hard. We just try too hard with the things that we take off. You know, Cindy, I need to stop doing this and I need to start taking that on. 
need to stop trying so hard and ask Holy Spirit for his help. Gary Larson's Far Side cartoons, I love them. He's got this idea about a stop it spray. So, you know, this spray apparently can stop a leaky tap, you know, a taxi, a smoker, a baby crying. Please don't try that at home. Um, An elephant charging you. Sometimes I feel like I need that stop it spray for me. Cindy, stop trying so hard. Ask for the presence of the Holy Spirit to do that thing for you. We get self-sufficient. There's a quote on my bedroom wall that says, it's the Holy Spirit that propels us forward. If we're self-sufficient and we can't surrender, then he can't work his purposes in us. So two questions for the Jesus followers. Are you striving too hard? What about your bad habits, your addictions, that anxiety, that depression, that broken relationship? Are you trying to do it in your own strength? Good luck. (laughs) Ask the Holy Spirit. He's right there. That's the new normal. And my last fruit, service to God, which comes through love. Remember I asked you to park that idea about the new king and the new kingdom? See, that's God's love coming through the Jesus follower to the world around us. It's the good news, the proclamation, the darkness is over, the light has come. The new normal is the love in the new kingdom. I think it's interesting that Troy already picked up on this Anzac Day thing because I picked up on it as well, which is great. The new commandment to love. Jesus laid down his life. He even said this before he did it. Then he fulfilled it. And he even calls humanity his friends, not his servants, his friends. He did it for us and he requires us to love like he did. See, a Jesus follower is supposed to bring God's love to the world. And I love the way that NCR does this. There's a slide, and I think they're the hands, actually, of someone in our community. Is that correct? Love and mercy. Partnering with God in transforming his world for good. We're supposed to be Jesus' hands and feet. Engage next week. It's happening. We get to be the hands and feet of Jesus. See, a Christian's love is there because Jesus loved them. Jesus' love compels people to love others. Two applications for you. If you're not a Jesus follower and you're still checking him out, and I actually really truly believe that I'm speaking to one person here today, your challenge is come along to engage and watch how Christians love. If you are a Jesus follower, your application is this. How can you bring Jesus to your world? In what way have you been given the gift of God to love others? See, for me, most of the time when I'm loving others, it'll come through singing, worship leading, speaking, teaching, praying, drinking coffee with a friend. I'm really good at that. (laughs) But I'm not great at cooking meals for people. I'll do it and it will be an act of love, but gee, it will take a lot out of me and you'll probably get an overcooked, really bland meal and it's vegetarian. The other thing I'm really bad up is, is bad at doing is setting up the church. I never know how far apart to put the chairs. I never know how many pamphlets or which ones to put on which chairs. I have to keep going back to Steve to say, am I doing it right? Not to mention putting me on a finance committee. The church would go belly up in no time, so don't put me on the finance committee. What are the strengths that you have that you can bring love to people? Start with what you're good at. 
wonder whether I might invite the band up as I just finish with a little quote and a little reminder of those applications. Tim Keller, a famous preacher from New York City, says this. He says, let the knowledge of what God has done for you melt you into a person who loves and who lives right. Let the knowledge of what God has done for you melt you into a person who loves and lives right. The change in Jesus. Will you let him change you? Maybe you want to try on the new normal for the very first time and say, yes, I'm ready to wave that white flag of surrender. Name it. Tell someone. Maybe you need to take off or put on one certain behaviour. I know for me, I'm often not the nicest person in my own home. What about you? Name it, because that'll take surrender. Power. Will you let the Holy Spirit empower you to change? Ask him to help you with the things that you just named in your own head, because that'll take reliance. And serve. Will you allow God's love to move you into serving in his kingdom? Do what you can with the strength that you have, because that will take love. And may God bless the new normal in you.